Welcome to another episode of Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm your host, Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spesh. Hello. Anything new this week, Derek? Uh, I just, it's been busy, so actually nothing's new. Yeah, you know what? Like, I've been going absolutely gangbusters between work and, and um, the film uh, festival, the Real Paddling Film Festival that we're hosting, and working some kinks out of our, our website, and getting our stuff up on iTunes properly, and all that sort of stuff, and... It's just been long, long days, just never ending. And somewhere in there, I managed to do a little bit of research for this week's show. I see that. So we're going to be talking about water. That's <laughs> water? It. Nothing else, just water. Just water? And beer. Yeah. Will it have anything in, in relation to winter? Well, funny you should mention. <laughs> uh, David Lee, the passionate paddler, he's been on our show before, we've talked about him. Yes. Um, he was having a bit of a cabin fever moment, I do believe, on the weekend, and he ended up going out, I guess it was last weekend, he ended up going out uh, somewhere with a buddy um, on some open water, because down here, Toronto Way, there's not... Yeah, you don't... Everything's still open. Yeah. We were complaining about that, the fact that there's no, there's no snow, grass is all brown and lawns are all muddy. We've had it's, about a week and a half, two weeks of fog warnings. Yeah, yeah, la- yeah, last week there was all the fog warnings. And, uh, it's just been, it's not winter when no. there's no snow. I'm, I'm, I'm out, I guess it was last Thursday. I was out in uh, a t-shirt because <laughs> it was plus four, plus five. Yeah. It's been uh, warm. Yeah. It's, it's not been cold. It's not been winter. Uh, but no, I saw, I saw pictures of him and a buddy. They were, of course they're in their, their complete dry suits. Right. Um, but they went out for a paddle in January. Mid-January, or, well, I guess end of January. Yeah. Time flies, man. So the water's cold, but it's just not frozen. Yeah. And normally this time of year, you you expect, or at least I expect, to go down to the, the lakeshore in Lake Ontario and, and see giant, you know, giant blocks of ice piling up on the beach. Nothing. It's just not there. It's just, no. The weather's been so mild. And do you recall, like, we, we discussed this probably September, October, we started mentioning the Farmer's Almac saying this is going to be a wicked winter. It's going to be a bad winter, lots of snow, lots of storms. Yep. It just hasn't turned out that way. Well, and uh, last week there was a day that they said there was going to be some bad weather. Get ready for the morning. It's going to be horrible weather. <laughs> so I got Cancel up early and, and checked it all and <laughs> I expect a rotten ride in and dry roads as far as the eye could see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever weather was coming didn't come. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it's, it's really. It, it's a strange winter. And I gotta, I gotta think. There's probably a lot of people out there, and it happens every year. They're looking at all this ice-free water, and chomping at the bit to get out yeah. there. And people are going to get out there, and not properly equipped. Exactly. Um, but I mean, yeah, like I say, I, we we saw David uh, Lee and his buddy there saw pictures, and uh, yeah, they were they were fully equipped properly. And and you have to be like even. Even in the in middle of summer, like the lake does flip here, mm-hmm. and so in the in a matter of hours, we can when the lake flips, we go from like ten degree water to like twenty degree water. So it's just a, an inversion process, and you get it flipping in the spring. You know, it's over a couple of weeks in the spring, it'll flip flop back and forth, and in the fall it'll flip flop back and forth. But for the most part, Lake Ontario is so cold, and that's because Lake Ontario is so deep. Yeah, but they weren't. I, I don't believe they were on the lake. They were on rivers. Oh, we were doing some river tra- so paddling. colder. So, yeah. And it didn't look like it was all that deep as well. So, um, but yeah. And then, <laughs> and then you go two and a half hours north and you're got tons of snow. Yeah. You know, yeah. like you're yeah. snowshoeing all of a sudden. So <laughs> it's kind of, you know, you're sitting here all week looking at this brown, muddy grass and then come weekend, you want to get out and do stuff and you can't do anything down here. You've got to head north if you want to do anything for the snow. And, uh, that's, that's starting to get to me, I think. But, um, if you go five, six hours east yeah. of Toronto, Quebec city, have you ever heard of ice canoe racing? Well, I have. Well, you have, have you? I have. Well, aren't you a smart feller? <laughs> no, and I remember... I'm not talking about the guys that throw a canoe on a, on a snow hill and go shooting down. <laughs> I remember seeing the races as a kid. Um, these are big thing. It's, it's mostly well known around the winter, uh, Quebec winter carnival. Yes. Um, but they get 
groups of five in these big canoes, and they race across the St. Lawrence River out of Quebec City. Yep. Uh, it's a race across... It, it comes from way back in the day when they used to have... Um, the early 1600s. Yes. They used to have to get gear and supplies and the mail across to... Was it Levy? Yes, Levy? so Levy, Quebec, yeah. and uh, to Port Quebec, Port of Quebec. And so that was this was back in the 1600s. Uh, so they, it was the ice canoeing, and they when New France, you know, when the French first came over, they called it New France. And so from the 1600s until the late 1800s, they uh, they they needed some method of getting across the Saint Lawrence Seaway, the Saint Lawrence River, because it was just because of the tidal changes, it never really froze over. So it was never clear enough to, to boat across. There was just too many chunks of ice. And it was never solid enough for it to create an ice road. And traditionally in these climates in the middle of winter, lakes, lakes freeze over enough that you have ice roads across them. And uh, so so back in the day, they had these canoemen who, who would cross the river. They'd bring gear, equipment, and, and passengers and cross the river. And, and uh, that was it was just a method of travel. Well, the St. Lawrence Seaway wasn't didn't freeze thoroughly, right? Because no, you got the tides coming tides in and out, right? Blowing it back and Currents forth, and yeah. all that just keep going back and forth. So the, it, yeah, it, it doesn't really freeze solid. So it's always the, the ice uh, flow is always in transit, and yeah, so they had to get guys going back and forth with their canoes, and um, they're saying like two hundred canoes going back and forth all the time, yeah. and that was a lot. I mean, that's a lot of it. Yeah, and then yeah, once they they stopped. Uh, Doing that once the advent of the the steamboats well, yeah, came the in, right? Steamboats with and they produced the hulls that were strong enough to crack the ice. So then yeah. these steamers, these ice breaking steamers, replaced all the canoemen and the canoes that would cross the river, the Saint Lawrence River, in the winter time. Yeah, and then somebody I guess came up with a good idea, saying, "Hey, let's have a race," mm-hmm. and they started doing races, and um, it just sort of took off from there. Yeah. So the first race coincided with the first Quebec Carnival. So it was uh, in Montreal with the racing in Montreal that happened in the late 1900s in the 80s and stuff like that. But the original races happened in uh, 1894. So the first canoe ice race was 1894. And that was also the same time they had the first winter carnival in Quebec. Quebec winter carnival. Yeah. So that's, uh, (laughs) that's been a long time. man. It has, it has. And And things kind of died off for a bit, but then there's been a resurgence lately. Well, and that's what I saw this. All of a sudden I'm seeing little videos here and there and uh, popping up and doing some research on this. And yes, it's it's really getting bigger and bigger and bigger, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, like I say, from this thing that was done as a a, a yearly thing to survive. It was a job. It was a job. Mm -hmm. Has now turned into a competition. Uh, There's even an association. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it because it's French. Uh, there's an association that looks after all the um, the canoe ice canoe racing stuff. Yeah, if the rules and regulations they determine the 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 weight class, the uh, the the physical class for the teams. And it, I remember, well, I grew up in the Maritimes, so this was common for us. Uh, I grew up in New Brunswick, and uh, there's a large French. Uh, population in New Brunswick and so we would it was uh you'd see it on TV every every winter when the competitions happened we'd be watching it on CBC so it was very common and uh but man the uh, it looks like you're watching the Olympics these guys are all uh dudded out in in spandex and like this is all now like back in the day obviously they weren't but yeah, now everything is it's very professional it's very almost like Olympics and uh, you know these these really fancy looking boats and the spandex and the the special gear and the special shoes. Well, the the canoes. I was reading one article. The canoe itself will go for twelve thousand dollars or yeah more, right? Yeah. And then they you know add another few thousand dollars for the paddles and all the all personal gear. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you go under. You know, you slip in the water oh, or something. Yeah. You got to be protected. So there's, there's a survival part of it, but there's yeah. also money wins races, right? Yeah. So people with the best gear tend to win the races. So just to sort of go over what exactly you're seeing is everybody lines up with their canoes and their five-man crew uh, at the start line on the shore. Yeah. And ready, set, go. <laughs> everybody starts heading to the opposite shore where there's open water. They're in and paddling. Where there's 
uh, broken ice. They have one f- leg in the canoe and the other basically pushing uh, across the ice. Now, the, the treads have studs, uh, spikes. Yes. To give them traction on the ice, right? On their feet, yep. So, now, one thing I did notice in, in the canoe is where the guy is standing, his knee actually fits into... Um, picture half of a, a pipe cut yeah. in half and his, his whole, well, his whole front of his shin is, is cradled in this pipe so that he leans on that and can push with his other foot. Exactly. Right. So he's not slipping on the bottom. His foot's not slipping on the bottom of the canoe or anything. And that gives you the support that if your foot goes through the, the broken ice or whatever, it, you're still supported by the boat. The by canoe. the boat itself. Um, and then, yeah, and then when there's solid ice, of course, you're two feet out and you're running. Yes. Everybody's running. A full-on run. And yeah, yeah you're you're going to get wet. There's, <laughs> there's no doubt about that, I'm thinking. And uh, they do their, their run, paddle, and what do they call it? They call it scootering. Scootering. Yeah, just when, like when you're on one of those little scooters yeah. uh, with uh, one foot on the on the footboard. It's uh, It just looks like that. Yeah, so you got your one leg inside the canoe and the other pushing on the outside, on the ice, and that's, yeah, scootering. So between rowing and scootering. And the races are, are all varied as well. Uh, the distances, the format, that sort of stuff. Yes. Like Montreal, they say, for example, is 13 kilometers for elite women and the mixed sports class teams, and then 17 kilometers for elite men. So doing this on broken ice and water <laughs> in yeah. February for 17 kilometers. Yeah. And, and your, your race route is never the same because the St. Lawrence Seaway, the, the, because of the tidal changes with the, with the tide changes in the, in the Atlantic Ocean, it pushes up the seaway. So the, the ice kind of moves up and down the river as the, uh, as the tides change and the, the floods floods inwards floods outwards so the ice is always breaking up it's always moving you got these bus sized chunks of ice sitting up there and so you're always moving around these outcrops of ice it's mm-hmm. it they're the the route that you're doing is never the same so there's no yeah. advantage there everybody has to deal with the same changing conditions well and then weather they say the weather can turn they say uh, a one hour race into a three hour race yes which i mean so <laughs> and these guys, I mean, these guys are athletes, man. I mean, you've got to be in shape for this. Oh, absolutely. If, if you're competing, yeah. you you would definitely have to be in shape to to keep up. It's a high energy output uh, race. And you know what I haven't been able to find though is uh, is um, how long it actually takes an average. Yeah, I don't know the record times. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know that. But they, yeah, I mean, they started out with you know like a few teams doing this way at the beginning back in the. Uh, 1894 and now they're up to like 60 70 teams that yeah. compete yeah. and you got teams from france and and everywhere chicago down the states and there's yeah there's uh what they're saying uh that calgary there's a calgary team that's been for the most part every single year has been competing for the last 41 years yeah 41 <laughs> years practicing this yeah. and i guess they uh train on the bow river out, out calgary yes. way yeah uh but yeah that's just that's insane it's fascinating. But, and to watch it, like I remember growing up and watching it as a kid and it was just these, these crazy people racing across the ice and half in and half out of a canoe. It didn't make sense to me as a kid. It's like, it seems silly, but I do remember it. I do remember all the, all the colorful, you know, back then like skidoo type things. And now it's all professional with the spandex and. Well, and they say your boat has, has to be colorful. It can't be white and. Which and makes all sense. That. It's yeah. a safety thing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I started looking at that sort of stuff and I'm thinking, you know what, that's, that's insane, but kind of cool. I tell you, these guys could definitely do like an Arctic uh, yes. excursion, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> They'd be all ready for that. <laughs> but there's actually in Quebec, not Quebec City, there is Quebec Ice Canoeing. So if you go to QuebecIceCanoeing.com, you can actually book... Uh, I do believe it's a three-hour excursion. Yeah, so you with can them. try it out. So it's you and two friends. Yeah, with two experienced guides, they take you in one of their canoes. They give you all the gear: the neoprene socks, the boots, uh, ice crampons, 
personal flotation device and a fully equipped canoe. And they take you out and they show you how it all works. They explain it to you and, you know, do some run throughs and stuff close to shore, I would think. And, yeah. you know, safety maneuvers and here's, here's how you go across. Here's what to look for and the signals and the commands and that they'll, they'll be giving and stuff like that. And then they take you out just like these these guys are doing, these athletes yeah. are doing. They will take you out. Um, and they and the big thing about this is every, and as we, we just explained, every trip will be unique because of the ice flow, the water currents. The conditions The are conditions, the weather. So you're never going to get the same trip twice. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so they go out there and... At one point, before you return, they say they'll find a great big slab of ice to set the canoe on, so you guys can sit in the middle of the St. Lawrence. Yeah, on and the flow. <laughs> on, on the flow, sip some hot chocolate, because I guess he brings yeah. a thing, a thermos of hot chocolate. And get to look at the city. You'll get a couple, you take a couple pictures. And yeah, that's exactly what they say. He says, the impression of being on a giant treadmill while striding in front of a city boasting 400 years of history. So you're out in the middle of the, of the St. Lawrence Seaway on a massive ice flow. Getting washed out to sea. <laughs> Getting washed out to sea, watching Quebec City go by. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. They, yeah, they do. They talk about doing the old GoPro camera thing so you can get some video and some photos of your experience and stuff like that. They, well, they'll, you can get documentation online and it tells you what you can, what you got to wear and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. You got to think about what the season is and what you're doing. Right. Exactly. Precisely. They run from mid December to the beginning of March, but they can't guarantee because of weather, you know, no one can guarantee it. They can't guarantee, um, the December and March dates just because of the climate. You yeah. can't get it. Yeah. So January and February are pretty booked. And yeah, you know what? You, you get out there and you give it a whirl and <laughs> you enjoy it. And if you're rich, <laughs> you get a couple of your buddies and you put yeah. a team together. <laughs> this year, the Quebec Winter Carnival, I do believe that this event is being held on the 5th of February. And they say people just line the shores and watch. Mm -hmm. There's a couple party boats sort of things that go out there and VIP things yeah. and all that. But uh, yeah, those tickets are all long, <laughs> long gone sold. But they're saying, yeah, you can hear the guys yelling and screaming their commands and you hear them going out and all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, it, it, it sounds like they're all having a good time. Have you ever been to a Quebec Winter Carnival? No. Oh, it's no. fascinating. No. It's fascinating. It's And it's with the... Uh, the way they do things different in Quebec with the liquor laws and whatever, like you just go into the corner store, the Cascrits, the whatever, and and I remember you get these uh, canes that the the big plastic canes you screw the top off, fill it with booze, and you're walking. Everybody's walking down the street with open liquor, and you mm -hmm. get these big canes full of booze, and and you get the big bonhomme character waving at everybody, right? And, the old and like there's ice castles, like and there's in, in well, there's a competition yeah, too, right? There's all yeah. these ice sculptures and ice castles yeah. and ice hotels, and they really make a fun thing of winter. And all it's one of these traditions is people watch the ice races. Well. That's uh, definitely going to be this year, I think, is when I mean, they got the snow and stuff. So hopefully it's going to be another good event for them this year. Um, when they were talking about these excursion guys, they were talking, you know, some of the things. A three-hour session includes all the equipment and safety lessons and, and about an hour on the water, complete with the mid-river stop. Um, he says there's, there's only three basic rules to remember when you're doing the ice canoe racing. Some, and, and this is what he says. Some basic rules are, don't let go of the canoe, don't let go of the canoe, and don't let go of the canoe. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, that's, that's it. As long as you can hang on to that canoe, you're yep. good to go. If you can run and you can hang on to a canoe, you're well, in, buddy. Of course, the canoe is your life support system, right? It is. It Don't is. Don't let it is. that sucker float away. Yeah. So it sounds like uh, fun. Again, go to QuebecIceCanoeing.com. I think we'll play. We'll put a little uh, link up on our, our website or our Facebook page there, and uh, probably something in our blog post 
um, on paddlingadventuresradio.com and uh, a link to this. And you can go check it out yourself because, hey, if you're looking for something to do in January, February, I mean, January is yeah. almost over, but, uh, no, well, January is over. What am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> if you're looking for something to do this month, <laughs> you know, go check it out or even something to think about for next year. So, anyway, speaking of cold too much, I need a coffee. So, I think we're going to, uh, Take a break here, maybe listen to some music, and we shall return. When the temperature's falling and the fireplace is calling, there's no need to sit and mope around or spend all your time pacing and whining, watching the snow come down. Well, I don't know about you. But I've got so much to do Like pull out the maps, plan a new route Bet on the day the ice goes out Air out the tent on the guest room door Spread all the gear on the living room floor There's so much to do Before you hit the shore That's what winter is for feels glacial and seems like it's never gonna end but it all has a purpose getting ready for the first day you're back on the water again no there is no time to rest when you've got such a long list like lace up the boots Tie a new fly, watch Jeremiah Johnson for the 50th time Wear out the camp, more catalog Order more bungee dealy bars There's so much to do before you hit the shore That's what winter is for Get off of your dough Stay out of the kitchen Time to get tough no more listen just patch up the pads pull out the socks inventory the tackle box point out the difference between a paddle and an oar argue with a stranger on a bulletin board there's so much to do before you hit the shore Cause that's what winter is sure You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. Welcome back. You heard... Jerry Vandiver's song, uh, That's What Winter Is For, uh, as we went into break there. Um, now that we're back, Derek, I want to talk about something that is well, truly Canadian, the canoe, of course. <laughs> yes. This year, have you ever heard of the Voyager Brigade Society? I have now. You have now. <laughs> um, but every, before tonight, I haven't. Everybody pictures the old Voyager canoes, the big, long Montreal or North canoes. Yes. That's a, well, there's actually a, a, the Voyager Brigade Society. It's out of Edmonton, uh, Alberta. Uh, it was established in 2009 to ensure that the enthusiasm generated by the 2008 David Thompson Brigade. Now, a brigade is a journey, a, a trip, if you will. Uh, it would persist into the future and that Voyager Brigades would occur on a regular basis. This David Thompson Brigade in, in 2008 went from Rocky Mountain House, Alberta to Thunder Bay, Ontario. Uh, how did they 70 create days. This, how did they create this first journey? Why, what, 
prompted them. They don't say. They just said that that they did it. No, I think it was. Well, it was to commemorate David Thompson's um, trip, right? Yeah, because he was considered the the greatest ge- geographer map guy three hundred years <laughs> yes. ago or whatever, or two hundred yeah. years ago. Um, so yeah, it thirty the 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 David Thompson one in two thousand eight was thirty two hundred kilometers. And it's a massive trip, eh? Yeah, yeah. All the way to Fort Williams Historic Park in Thunder Bay. And granted, voyagers in the, of the day would do these trips on a routine be- basis, but yeah. you take modern people, modern Canadians, and put them on this trip, that's a huge task for people who are doing it not as a, as a living, a lifestyle. Yeah, it's not their job. It's yeah. just something they wanted to take part yeah. in, right? That's huge. And they, I mean, a lot of them dress the part, the whole meal deal, right? And um, yeah, over 150 paddlers in these big canoes, handmade flags and people were, you know, they go by places and people are firing cannons off the shore, you know, all the big, <laughs> it was a big celebration. Everybody's getting into it. Oh, they, re- they really, they really were. And yeah, some of them, the, the paddlers were away from their homes and families for 70 days 70 or more. days, yeah. Right? And then of course, when they get into Fort William, uh, they're all, the family's there to greet them and all yeah. that sort of stuff. So, but that was, it was, you know, it was undertaken to commemorate David Thompson um, and, and all the time he spent yeah, like mapping. You, yeah, like you said, he was one of the greatest uh, land <laughs> geographers of the yeah. time. Uh, but all in all, I mean, there was 150 paddlers in the big canoes, but they invited smaller groups, you know, small canoes and, and kayaks not to paddle sections with them. Uh, so at the end of the day, there was 300 people were out mm-hmm. along that route yeah. paddling at some point. Um, started at well, May 10th and finished July 12th. That's a long, long, long time and a long Definitely a long battle. Yeah. Yeah. 3,200 kilometers with one of those big canoes. So. Like they probably would have taken a similar route to. uh, Well, it would have been the routes that they, the the voyageurs had actually taken, right? Yeah. Um, And like I say, the the whole thing was uh, the brigade hoped to inspire people uh, to learn more about the rich history and appreciate the importance of the rivers and waterways that link Canadians all across the country. And that's what the, the whole, the whole thing was, right? Um, so in 2009, they started the Voyager Brigade Society yeah. in hopes that more people would get into this and maybe some more brigades would be, t- would be done and, and whatnot. And they are every year. There's, there's a few of them being done this year being the 150th birthday of Canada. There are a bunch of them that are, are all ready to go. Um, they like I say, there's some small ones that they're doing, yeah. but there's, um, Eight big ones, strictly revolving around the celebration of 150 years. Yeah. So I, I, I assume they're just breaking it down into the, the main trip across Canada. They've, they've created these legs along the way for yeah. people to... Yeah. They're in different areas of the country. They're having all yeah. these little, you know, starting the West Coast all the way to the East Coast. and So they've made it accessible to everybody. Yeah. Um, so you can... If you go to, if you go to voyagerbrigade.org, you can actually go in there and find these trips that are, are being, uh, planned. And actually, if you're interested in doing it, find one in your area and you can fill out the registration form. Um, if you actually, you know, if you actually happen to have one of these big canoes and nine to 12 people, yes, <laughs> you can register yourself as a canoe and a crew. If you don't have one and you don't know anybody that does it, you can register yourself as a unattached unattached paddler. paddler. Me and and they'll help you uh, if they've got a paddle a, a canoe that needs two or three paddlers. They'll take two or three of these unattached paddlers and assign them to this to a, to a crew. Yeah, and I, I would think it would be first come first serve. Yeah, so if there's any empty seats, you could fill the seat if it's available, or yep. if there's anybody that dropped at the last minute, if you want to be a standby person to to parachute into an empty seat, then that that would be available to you as well. Yeah, and all these journeys that they're doing uh, are a celebration of Canada, the history of cultural cooperation, for water stewardship across the country and for developing the next generation of paddlers. And that, yes. that's what it's all about. And like I say, it's, it's to celebrate 150 years of Canada. 
Now, when you look at these canoes, you're thinking, oh yeah, a bunch of people just get, hop in a canoe and off they go. There's more than that. Yeah, it definitely is. Just to give an, a quick overview of, um, the canoe is a crew of nine to 12 paddlers. A, it's a replica of a native or Voyager big canoe, 22 to 36 feet. Yep. Normally be crewed by five to 10 people, uh, paddlers at a time. So that, you know, if you got 12 people then there's two people sitting there doing nothing. <laughs> They're long for the ride. Yeah. <laughs> Crews will normally carry a complement of nine to 12 members with non-paddlers of each shift looking after camp and travel chores. So if you're not paddling that day, then you're cooking dinner or cleaning up or whatever, that sort of yeah. stuff, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, normally paddling and support crew chores are equally shared by all crew members. Uh, and as in past full crews of 12 paddlers, more members normally paddle approximately half day shifts every day. So you're paddling for a half a day and then you get to maybe sit for a half a day at some point. Yeah. Right. So at some point you're not paddling, you're relaxing, Yeah. but well, you've got the chores to do. You still need some downtime. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah, because you're not going to paddle 3,200 kilometers, right? <laughs> However, if there was a smaller crew, some members may have to paddle every day, all day. Yes. <laughs> uh, and sometimes smaller craft are invited to join paddler uh, as smaller paddlers um, as on certain portions of the brigade. So I assume they don't want Lallygaggers just come along for the ride, but if they had somebody come out for, they'll have a set section. It's like, come on out with your canoe or kayak yeah. and follow us. Yeah. You don't want, you know, 20 of these big canoes and like one dude on a paddleboard. Yeah. You don't want it to be you know? disruptive. And if they're cr covering really big water, mm -hmm. you don't want to, you don't want somebody in a solo canoe trying to keep up with them. You know, if they're crossing a big bay yeah, in Lake Superior. They move. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You got these guys moving, yeah. man? Yeah. Um, so that's the overview of it. To give you an idea, one of the, the, the trips planned is the Sunshine Coast Canoe Journey. And this is June 13th to 18th this, this year. And Edgemont to Seashelt via the Seashelt Inlet, then to Gibsons on the Strait of Georgia and across to West Vancouver. So this is a big... Mm -hmm. Big trip. And they, when you go to the page, this is, that's how they laid out. They, what it's called, the date, the location, and a why. To celebrate the 150th anniversary of Canada's founding, to celebrate the canoe, the culture of cooperation and paddling culture up and down the Sunshine Coast, being the West Coast. Yes. Right? Uh, and then they talk about the big canoes, the journey, a.k.a. brigade, will be organized by crews of nine to 12 paddlers. And again, it goes into what we've already talked about, about the, the paddlers. This one here, they say smaller craft will be invited to join for two portions of this brigade in the lower Seashelt Inlet around Porpoise Bay and in Gibson's Harbor around Keats Island. So again, they, they tell you, this is where you're going to be able to join us if you're not actually in yes. a canoe. Fees and registration, uh, travel, food, travel and food during the brigade will be organized by each paddling crew. So you, the nine to 12 people all get together. They got to yep. do all their gear and their, and their food. And the brigade fees are based on crews of nine. Crews with less than nine will pay a premium per member. The brigade is being budgeted on break-even basis because this is a non-profit organization. Yeah, it's... Right? It's obviously there to get people to participate. It's uh, it's for the, the pleasure of the paddling. It's not... Well, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's something a, that you can talk about yeah. sort of thing afterwards, right? It's not like what we talked about earlier in the, in the show about, uh, you know, the, the canoeman taking... You could uh, hire an excursion for the ice canoes. Yeah, this yeah, is, this is different. Yes. Uh, it's approximately $250 per participant for a full brigade. So you're, you're paying... It's basically you pay 250 bucks at least, right? And you're covering the costs. Yep. Uh, paddlers should plan for their crew transportation, ferry costs across, uh, costs during the brigade, crew and personal food and entertainment expenses. So yeah, if you guys want to have steak every meal, of course your costs are going to be higher. That's exactly. Sort of stuff, right? Yeah. And because they are nonprofit, any profits from this journey will go to support native youth paddling events. So the money that any profits go back into mm -hmm. the, you know, to, into the community, which is really cool. Uh, then they give a list of other considerations. 
on this particular one, they say it's not a competitive event. The canoe brigade will be expected to travel en masse every day following a lead canoe, which is cool. Brigade leadership during the event will be shared between crews. Crew leaders will share the daily chore of brigade governor and the crew members of brigade chores of first arrival at next camp and last to depart. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that sort of makes every, everybody gets a chance to lead at one point and everybody's it's the last fair. dog at one point Who as well. Who wants to be taking up the tail gunner's position the every whole time. time. Yeah. yeah. So this is, that's really cool. That's that really cool. You're, you're the first guy out there right? and, and everybody follows you. Hopefully you're not the guy that gets lost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's Derek. Yeah, I remember last time. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we have 15 canoes this morning? Yeah. Where are those guys going? Um, and they do have some people that have a ground crew volunteers. Uh, that's your own thing to do. And, but they have, they get charged as well. So that's up to you. And then the last part that they usually have is the proposed journey schedule. So June 13th, muster at Edgemont, um, review protocols, and then you camp for the night. The next morning you start out lunch halfway at Marine Park, and then you camp approximately 30 kilometers done that day. June 15th, portage canoes across town. (laughs) Ooh, (laughs) hopefully you have a car. (laughs) Uh, I don't, I don't know the protocols. Do you actually have to portage it or can you throw it on a car? Uh, day trip to local islands, 20 kilometers, lunch at Sergeant Bay. The 16th, 27 kilometers, Seashell to Gibson's. Uh, the 17th day trip to local islands, 26 kilometers lunch at Keats and the 18th Gibson's to Ambleside in West Vancouver, 35 kilometers lunch at Horseshoe Bay. And that's pretty much that one brigade. Yeah. So it gives you an idea of the route. Yeah. Uh, that's what, six days. Um, I mean the first day sort of, a uh, here's what's going to happen. But then five days of travel. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean that, that's pretty decent. I mean, at the end of six days, I mean, that's a nice little summer vacay to have. And if anybody's familiar with the Sunshine Coast, it's a beautiful area. It's like right between Vancouver Island and the mainland. It's, it's fantastic. And also uh, it might tweak some memories uh, where Gibson's BC. Does that tweak any memories for you? Oh, the beachcombers, baby. Exactly. <laughs> Molly's Reach. Yes. Now there are one, two, three, four, five, six other trips, uh, brigades this year celebrating the 150th. Uh, I just want to do a quick little overview of each of these here. The Athabasca River Brigade, June 22nd to 28th, is to commemorate the importance of the Athabasca River in the development of Canada. Uh, Their goal is to promote cultural cooperation, water stewardship, while educating paddlers and local citizens about the historically important roles of the Voyager Canoe and Canada's waterways in the establishment of Canada. A lot of them are based on the same sort of what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. This water stewardship, the, the history, um, cultural cooperation, that sort of stuff. This one begins in Jasper. So, I mean, you're right up in the mountains, right? Um, the evening of June 22nd, they do all this. Then they start paddling downstream to arrive at historic Fort Assiniboine, June 28th. Totally... Total uh, kilometers covered is 333 kilometers. It's a nice trip. So yeah, you're going through the foothills of the Rockies, yeah. farmland, forest, is opportunity to see lots of wildlife. I mean, bears, moose, <laughs> eagles, yeah. you know, all that sort of stuff. And uh, what I noticed a lot of these brigades do is they really focus on the communities along the rivers. So they'll plan stops at various communities. Yeah, I was noting that. For little celebrations and events, right? The next one is the Fort Edmonton Canoe Brigade. So now we've gone from Vancouver to Jasper yep. over to Edmonton, yep. right? Across through the Rockies. Now we're, and these are all different legs. So this is really interesting how they've, how they've set out different legs. Yeah. And so this one, the bridge, brigade participants will be helping the communities of Devon, Edmonton, and Fort Saskatchewan and the historic sites of Fort Edmonton and Victoria Settlement celebrate Canada's 150th anniversary. Uh, if there'll be two sections where they invite smaller craft to paddle again. So that's that's pretty cool that you can go and, and see that there. Yeah. 
And arrangements have been made for an old time supper and voyager dance the last evening at Métis Crossing, south of Smoky Lake, upstream from Victoria Settlement. So that's sort of a, a historical yeah. bonus for the people that are paddling, right? Um, just a, an old time sort of historic, because that's what you're doing. You're doing all this historical stuff and that fits right in with it. So that's just sort of like an, an extra bonus on that one. Yep. Now, I don't think there's anything through Saskatchewan or Manitoba. Yeah, it looks like we go right to Ontario. Apparently, Saskatchewan and Manitoba don't want to participate. I don't know. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's all those those big rivers through Saskatchewan. Yes. Actually, there's a couple, but <laughs> there's a lot of portaging there. Uh, the next one, Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario Brigade, June 29th to July 4th. And this covers the, the Canada Day long weekend. Yes. Um, they're going to celebrate again, water stewardship, cultural cooperation, and Canada's 150, uh, 150th in the most iconic mode of transportation, the canoe. Batchewana Bay to Thessalon. Now, Batchewana Bay is just north of, of Sault Ste. Marie. Between Sault Ste. Marie and Batchewana Bay is Pancake Bay. We've camped there a, a, a few times. Have you? Yeah. And what they said was called Pancake Bay is because when the voyagers would come around before they hit Sault Ste. Marie, okay. they had enough flour and whatnot left to make pancakes. And <laughs> that was it. They had nothing left. Sort of the end of the... That was the end of their food rations. They could make yeah. pancakes for breakfast and then they would hit Sault Ste. Marie. Huh. And restock. Yeah. Right. So and it's really, really nice area. Really. I could just, you can just picture all these big canoes going across this big bay. <laughs> really nice. Um, celebrate the heritage of Sault Ste. Marie as a stopover for most canoe travel across North America. Sault Ste. Marie was also a center for canoe building. That's why they're, that's why they're doing this one here, especially there. Cause uh, a lot of the big canoe building was, was up there. The. Ottawa Brigade, South Wind Brigade. Now this one, in the Ottawa area, it looks like there's four different brigades. They've only listed the one here, the South Wind. There, so there's going to be a North Wind. Um, they listed the North Wind, but really didn't say anything about it. Then there's the, I would assume, East and West, which they didn't even mention. So the South Wind Brigade, June 23rd to July 1st. So a lot of these are overlapping. Some of them, yeah, some of them are over, overlapping, all happening at the same time around yeah. the, the July 1st, you yes. know, Canada Day Canada sort of Day thing, weekend. right? Yeah. What a better time to do it. Um, the South Wind Brigade starts at, the, at Kingston, the historic city of Kingston on Lake Ontario, proceeds north following the Rideau Canal World Heritage Site, 202 kilometers to the city of Ottawa. So yeah, Kingston all the way up to Ottawa. Final leg will leave the north end of the Ottawa Locks on the Ottawa River and follow the river upstream a short distance to Victoria Island. So yeah, you're going from, from Kingston all the way. Now, I mean, I'm driving that, it's what, two hours to drive. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they're doing that in a nice, and you're doing all the, the locks, the historic locks. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you've seen them on the, on the canal. They, they still have the old ones where the guy's got to get out and crank. Yeah, yeah. Right? The, the, so that's, I mean, that's all right back in the day. Mm -hmm. And this is exactly what these guys would be doing. So their vision to fill the Rideau Canal in Ottawa with with human-powered watercraft, making their way through Canada's capital city, a Canada Day to remember, which would be really cool. I mean, if you're in... It'd be fascinating. Especially as a tourist from another country or something, yeah. seeing all these big Voyager canoes yeah. coming up there, the, the Ottawa, the Rideau Canal through Ottawa. Huh. That would be something to see. I mean, Definitely be something to jam. see. <laughs> Giant traffic jam. Uh, the second last one here, the St. John River Brigade, that, oh, New Brunswick. So now we've gone from Vancouver all the way out to New Brunswick. New Brunswick. So they come across, right across the, the country here. This brigade follows the St. John River, one of Canada's heritage rivers, which we've talked about on other shows, uh, from its midpoint New Brunswick to the Bay of Fundy. And this goes from July 15th to the 22nd. So this one's actually a bit farther along. Yes. A bit later. Um, this one celebrates the heritage of the river and its communities. So this, this I mean, it celebrates the 150th birthday celebration as well, but yeah. not Canada Day per se. Uh, St. John River with its numerous communities along the river, ideal for welcoming ceremonies at various stops. This is going to be one that has a lot of little stops and little celebrations, a lot of historical and educational things, mm -hmm. right? 
Um, they say, I mean, they just put a little note on their site saying the reception from community has been great. And there's going to be a lot of memorable experiences, including paddles under the longest covered bridge in the world. Yes. And events in, the, covered bridge. Yeah, events in the capital city of Fredericton. Lots of maritime hospitality along the route. And planning a great final day in St. John with a closing banquet and a paddle through the reversing falls in St. John. Tides permitting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's again, pretty cool. Yes. Uh, the big one though, and I've saved the best for last, the Canadian Canoe Pilgrimage, July 20th to August 15th. That's a long trip. That is a long trip. Um, 25 days. That's over three weeks, right? Yeah. Just about. <laughs> the, the Canadian Canoe Pilgrimage is a project that is inspired by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Okay. Right. Promote dialogue between the Indigenous and non-Indigenous peoples of Canada. They hope to work for reconciliation by following a traditional First Nations trading route that was traveled by early European settlers like Champlain and Brebeuf um, in the care of Indigenous guides. So, I mean, these guys didn't just come from Europe and go, hey, we're going. <laughs> they actually had Indigenous guides Show yeah. them, this is where what. So if it wasn't for the indigenous people, we wouldn't know where the hell we were going, mm -hmm. right? So uh, focus is on bringing cultures together in practical and concrete ways by allowing young adults and others, both indigenous and non-indigenous, to be immersed in each other's customs and traditions for an entire month. The pilgrimage will foster deep respect, trust, dialogue, and hopefully friendship, the building blocks for reconciliation. So that's pretty cool. I mean, that's what they're trying to... I wish to... I had the time to do this leg. Oh, that, that would, would be, be awesome. huge, eh? So this route follows, it starts um, in Midland, Ontario, yep. Georgian, South Georgian Bay, goes up Georgian Bay to the French River, along the French River into Lake Nipissing through North Bay, yep. into the Mattawa River. The Mattawa River comes all the way across, you know, north of... Uh, um, Algonquin Park, Algonquin and, Park and yeah. whatnot. And it basically follows the border. Yeah. Yep. Right into Quebec, the Ottawa Ontario. River. Yeah. And the Ottawa River split, the border splits, right? Yeah. Uh, Ottawa River, down the Ottawa River to the St. Lawrence River and up the St. Lawrence to Montreal. Uh -huh. So <laughs> Midland, Ontario to Montreal, a group of approximately 30 paddlers that will complete in this month long journey. And hopefully it will encourage more participation. Um, in order to in, in encourage more participation, there will be other short time periods that s smaller craft can join. Yes. So f anywhere from four to 10 days, which is still pretty cool. I mean, you can join it in this group be for 10 days, even four days. Yeah. That'd be something. Uh, this is, yeah, really, really cool thing that, that's going on here. And uh, like I say, to see like, 10 of these, these big canoes coming down. It's going to be impressive. Like if you, if you happen on a location and, and they're going by in a big flotilla, it's like, it's, I, I, I hope to get a chance to actually see, like, this is the only one that I think I'll be able to see if we did get out to uh, either Georgian Bay or get up to uh, the Ottawa river and, uh, just get some photos of the, of the flotilla going by. I think it'd be fascinating. Well, I think the ones, some nice photos and whatnot of the ones going up the, uh, the Rideau Canal would be yeah. really cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, as, as we mentioned, if you're interested in this, go to voyagerbrigade.org. It tells what it all is about. It tells all these, it's got the 2017 Big Canoe Journeys and Brigades. It has uh, other upcoming Big Canoe events. Um, like there, the Yukon Quest, we talked about that big uh, canoe race up north. Um, they actually have a Big Canoe group that does that now. So they're, they're, these big canoes are coming out everywhere nowadays and it's really cool to see them. I don't even want to know how much they'd cost, <laughs> but I, I think at least 10 grand easy these yeah. days. Um, but I mean, if you look at the price of those racing canoes, the ice racing oh, canoes, I know. right? So you got to think something like this, that's yeah. 22 feet long. Um, and there's going to be, well, there's going to be dozens of these. Yeah. <laughs> this is awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. I hope I can, can scoot to, uh, to see some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think that'll be really cool. 
But in the meantime, that sort of brings us to the end of this week's show. Yes. Um, we need to talk about, quickly before we go, Real Paddling Film Festival. Absolutely. March 21st, we are hosting Come at the soon. Tap and Tankard in Whitby. Uh, go to paddlingadventuresradio.com, our website. Uh, you can find all the information there on where to get tickets. And you check out our Facebook page, Paddling Adventures Radio. We'll have uh, all that information there as well. Um, where to get tickets and costs and times and yes. all that sort of stuff. Really excited about that. The other thing is the Kitchener-Waterloo Canoe Symposium. And that's coming up soon Which too. is April 8th, not too long after the mm-hmm. festival. And we are... Um, sponsors this year of that. So come on out. We're going to have a little table in the, in the lobby there of the princess twin, twin princess hotel, uh, hotel, <laughs> theater. theater. Yeah. And, uh, you come on up, see us and uh, meet us and, um, yeah, have a chat with us and get to know who we are. Yeah. Get to see our faces. And until next week, you can find us on the new web page of ours, paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, which we do a lot of. You can find us on Instagram and you can find us on Twitter. Thanks everybody for listening. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 